from the Times of Northwest Indiana and nwi.com slash podcasts, you're listening to Byline. The podcast about the newspaper's most fascinating stories and the reporters who tell them. I'm Kale Wilk, and this week Byline follows up on the fate of John Bunsich. We'll talk with the veteran reporter that's covered his trial. In some cases, uh, when they go to trial, uh, the, the lawyer will uh, tell them, whatever you do, we, we can't have you on the witness stand. You'll be torn to pieces on cross-examination. And we'll take a look at the differing sides of his case. We both said privately, and I'll say publicly now, that we've never believed in a client's innocence. Uh, I mean, true, actual innocence. Um, as much as this claim. I, Oscar Martinez. I, Oscar Martinez. Do solemnly swear or affirm. Do solemnly swear and affirm. That I will support. That I will support. The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of the State of Indiana. If you're from Lake County, you might have heard that there's a new sheriff in town. This is him, Oscar Martinez, being sworn in. Discharge the duties. Discharge the duties. Of the office of Lake County Sheriff of the Office of Lake County Sheriff according to law according to law and to the best of my ability to the best of my ability so help me God so help me God for the past few months there was speculation on whether or not we'd get to this point Lake County had a sheriff but the last time Byline talked about him he was in a bit of a situation Brian we are Larry, L-A-R-R-Y, Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S. This is a bit of audio from August 24th, a fateful day when, after about two weeks in court, a jury chose to convict John Bunsich of six counts of wire fraud, honest services wire fraud, and bribery. I guess by way of a statement, it was, uh, we're somewhat bewildered. Larry and I have been at this a long time. We've tried a lot of cases. It's a brief video in which Bunsich is joined by his two defense attorneys, Brian Truitt and Larry Rogers. The two attorneys decided to make some quick comments for the news media following the verdict. This was a big case the Northwest Indiana public was curious to read about. A high-profile public leader, the sheriff of Lake County, and the head of the county's Democratic Party was under federal indictment for these accused crimes. When we touched on this topic in February... We reviewed the crimes Bunsich and Porridge Mayor James Snyder were being accused of. You can find that episode at nwy.com slash podcast slash byline. Both were indicted for bribery charges in different contexts. For approximately two weeks, Bill Dolan, one of the Times' court's reporters, attended and followed the trial. Ed Beershank also filled in on a few days that Bill was off from work. We spoke with Bill the last time we addressed this topic of public corruption and thus sat down with him again. So we'll go ahead and get into what happened. It starts with Monday, August 7th. Uh, Like any trial, uh, you first have to pick a jury, which they did uh, in one morning. 
Uh, I believe that started August the 7th. It was a Monday. And they started evidence uh, that afternoon. The two sides opened up. The prosecution, led by Assistant U.S. Attorney Philip Benson, said John Buncich was guilty of bribery in the form of campaign contributions and towing contracts. The defense, led by attorneys Brian Truitt and Larry Rogers, argued Buncich was innocent, didn't guarantee anything in accepting money payments, and was a victim of entrapment and a scheme by the FBI. Then we went right into, uh, into uh, testimony. The, the, the first witness being that confidential informant, uh, a f- fellow by the name of Scott Jurgensen. Jurgensen was a veteran of the Merrillville Police Department, but said in his testimony he was frustrated that he couldn't get a towing contract with the department. When approached by Nathan Holbrook of the FBI and asked why he was frustrated, Jurgensen said he wouldn't pay a bribe to receive work. Holbrook then offered Jurgensen the chance to pay bribes on behalf of the FBI as a confidential informant. Jurgensen said that once he paid more money in cash, he earned towing work. And uh, it, it uh, uh, after a couple of years, it worked its way through the uh, to the uh, sheriff's department. Uh, Mr. Jurgensen had been a, a longtime uh, friend of Timothy Downs, who was the sheriff's second in command, and as it turned out, his bag man for uh, Uh, collecting uh, uh, campaign uh, contributions from towing firms. Timothy Downs was Buncich's second-in-command, and, like he said, one of two, along with Daniel Merchek, given the task of collecting donations for the sheriff's re-election from towing firms. On one occasion, Downs was caught by the FBI taking the extra cash in a donation. They offered him the chance to cooperate as well, and so he did. And what we got was the uh, first video shown to the jury, uh, and we have a copy of, which in essence is Downs uh, walking uh, $7,500 in a briefcase into the sheriff's department and him handing it to the sheriff. We'll go ahead and play some of that tape. It starts out with Downs exiting the car and heading inside the Lake County government complex. He goes through the halls, uses the elevator, and finally makes his way to John Buncich's office. Two start chatting. The topic of the towing and campaign tickets comes up. I got the what? What? Second. Jurgensen. Jurgensen. Jerry and Willie. Willie wanted 25 tickets. Jurgensen wanted 25 tickets, and uh, so Jerry wanted 25 tickets. Jurgensen, of course, you know, he's a He's all wigged out because he says, well, you know. Then it looks like Downs places cash on Buncich's desk. From there, it's hard to see what happens. But the prosecution alleges that Buncich took that money and placed it inside his desk. All right, got to run because i got to get down south. But, uh, I can tell Drew you don't have to worry about nothing. Absolutely. I know, he's, just, you know, he's crazy. So they want 25 tickets each. I already gave the tickets, yeah. Oh, you gave them? I gave the tickets, I got the tickets, then I gotta get over to the other ones, but it's all good. Thank you. Okay. All right, I will see you. Uh, done, let me know about it. 
Yeah. There were other pieces of evidence the prosecution played for the jury. There's two videos in which Scott Jurgensen delivers envelopes of cash to Bunsich, and it appears as if the sheriff takes and pockets those envelopes. Those videos, in their provided form, were in slow motion, and thus the audio isn't as clear or good to make details out. The overall accusation is that Bunsich was using this money not only to prepare for re-election, but reimburse himself for his former campaign run, which one is legally allowed to do under Indiana campaign finance law. But the prosecution argued that these cash payments weren't being properly documented like checks. In the second week, the defense brought in their own set of witnesses. Gary Mayer, Karen Freeman Wilson, Sister Maria Giuseppe of the Carmelite Home, and other tow truck drivers were brought in, testifying that Bunsich was a good man, or that they didn't feel their campaign contributions were bribes or earned them any more or less work. But the heart of that defense, as Bill says, was when Bunsich went up there on the witness stand, a rarity in these kinds of cases in the event one doesn't want to incriminate themselves. Uh, in some cases, uh, when they go to trial, uh, the, the lawyer will uh, tell them, whatever you do, we, we can't have you on the witness stand. You'll be torn to pieces on cross-examination. The, the, the heart of it was the sheriff taking the witness stand and uh, denying that he ever took bribes, that it was all campaign finance, legitimate uh, collections, and uh, the... Uh, Zarmack was a drunken liar, uh, Jurgensen was in, in the pay of the FBI, and Timothy Downs was probably keeping the money that he was taking from the tow truck drivers, and he never saw it, and, uh, and so forth. After the jury deliberated, the rest is history. Bunsich was found guilty of the six counts against him. You, dear listener, may, and I personally implore, for you to read the articles that Bill Dolan and Ed Beershank wrote about the trial and view the pieces of evidence for yourself. Come to your conclusion. That's our purpose as journalists in many of the things we do. We report the facts, and you take it as you will. Court reporting is different than going out in the field for other types of stories. It's a zone where the Times reports on some cases that come up, especially if the stakes are high for the accused, or the crime was heinous. However, our abilities are limited. I spent many years as a courtroom reporter, and it has its plus and pluses and minuses. It's like being uh, uh, it's like being an umpire in a baseball game. The play comes to you. All you have to do is sit on a bench and stay awake, and the story will be uh, right in front of you. Yes, there are limitations. Uh, especially in federal court. Uh, no cell phones by reporters, uh, no recording devices whatsoever. Uh, all you have is your uh, paper and, and pen, and uh, you have to sit stock still. Uh, if, if, if the judge hears you talking, you may get tossed out. Judges uh, want control of their courtroom, and of course the, uh, the judge has to protect the jury from any media accounts. Uh, the law requires that uh, jurors only uh, base their verdict on what they hear in the courtroom and from witnesses, not from, they can't research it, they can't go online, they, they can't uh, blog amongst themselves about what's going on. Uh, they, ha- they too have to sit stock still, listen to all the evidence, and only when, they're, when everything's done can they go into their jury room and start debating whether a crime was committed and who committed it. Even someone who isn't a journalist knows the way news is delivered has completely changed. 
it's faster, and often done through the internet. But something like live streaming or tweeting a court case isn't feasible. So Bill has to sort of be the town crier in these instances and tell us the news when he can. The, the demands of the internet and social media are that you update your story constantly, uh, which is hard to do when your cell phone and your laptop are in the parking lot and you're up in the courtroom. So uh, many times uh, I, I found myself having to uh, run out at, at a lunch break, uh, get into my car, and dictate uh, a small story uh, of the morning's testimony to my editor. So uh, in an age where the, 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 the uh, news consumer expects uh, constant updates and almost uh, live uh, video, uh, the courtroom is kind of uh, really old school. But how do the two sides feel following the trial? And what comes next? We'll get to that after a brief break. Hey, listeners, it's Matt Schubert, producer of That's So Region, the podcast about all things region. It's uh, Joseph Pete, also a panelist on That's So Region and the best freestyle rapper on the Time staff. We talk about all sorts of region topics, what to do, where to go. Can there actually be a gourmet taco? How many pierogi you can stuff in your gullet and why it's pierogi and not pierogies. Make sure to download us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter, and visit nwi.com Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Who knows? We're back. So I wanted to find out how the prosecution and defense felt following the verdict of this case. Per the policy of the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Northern District of Indiana, news media requests of this sort, such as interviews, are not taken. Instead, the office did give a press release out on August 24th. It's a little lengthy, but I'll go ahead and read some of the main points. It starts out by saying, Acting United States Attorney for the Northern District of Indiana, Clifford D. Johnson, announced that John Bunsich, age 71, of Crown Point, Indiana, was convicted of all six counts of the superseding indictment. The following paragraphs describe Bunsich's accused scheme with his campaign committee, Bunsich Boosters, his actual conviction, as well as the amount of money he's accused of taking in exchange for towing contract favorability. Toward the end of the press release, it says, Acting United States Attorney Clifford Johnson states that the United States Attorney's Office will continue to vigorously prosecute public officials who use their public office as means for personal enrichment. All citizens deserve public officials who work for the public interest and not their own interest. Jay Abbott, special agent in charge of the FBI's Indianapolis Division, states public officials who abuse their positions for personal gain at the expense of the taxpayers will not be tolerated. The FBI and our federal, state, and local partners will continue to aggressively pursue those across Indiana who corrupt their office for self-serving motives. Finally, Gabriel Gurchan, IRS criminal investigation special agent, said taxpayers expect their elected officials to protect and improve their communities. Rather than serve his community, Bunsich abused his position and devised a pay-to-play towing scheme that benefited him and few others financially. Today's verdict reminds us that public corruption will not be tolerated and no one is above the law. Now, what about the defense? I was able to reach out to and obtain a comment from one of the lawyers. 
Hello? This is Brian Truitt. He was the one you can hear way at the beginning of the episode starting to make comments to the news media there. I asked Brian to tell me how the defense saw the case. Our defense, uh, our defense was that our candidate or that our client, uh, John Bunsich, um, did nothing wrong, and that he was accepting campaign contributions from uh, a lot of different sources. He had loaned his campaign eighty-six thousand uh, dollars. That's what it was owed back in this time period, and that uh, he was entitled to get paid back, um, and that's straight out of. Indiana campaign law, um, that the proof was in the two, the two schemers, uh, the, everything that they wanted, they did not get. Uh, they were actually worse off after making campaign contributions than they were beginning. We had every other tow company come in and testify, and none of them uh, said that they were ever asked uh, to give money, that the way they paid and how much they paid for campaign contributions, or if they paid at all, uh, were clearly up to them. One did not make any com- campaign contributions for the entirety of John Bunsich's uh, tenure as sheriff, and he stayed on the list, so it's clear that she didn't have to pay to stay on the list. There were several that did one year for different reasons. They didn't uh, make any contributions, and they still stayed on the list. Their areas still stayed the same. One of the arguments of the defense is that this whole thing was a scheme carried out by the FBI. When the FBI the FBI only started their investigation in the sheriff's department because they realized that this informant had a 20-year friendship with the, uh, the chief of police, Tim Downs. They didn't have any suspicions, any anything, uh, when they started this investigation. It went on for two and a half years. They recorded 90 hours of tape and it came up with nothing. There was no promises made. There was no assurances made. Uh, there was no, you know, you need to pay a certain amount. Um, the FBI orchestrated this from beginning to end. They've been showing those tapes on television and I think the, the Times has uh, it up on their website. And that was, that was all orchestrated by the FBI. Uh, the, the picture in, in Sheriff Bunsich's office that Sheriff Bunsich didn't know and Tim Downs acknowledged he just popped in he had no idea that it uh, uh, that he was coming or that he was coming with money or anything else he was tending to, to the sheriff's business in uh, in that video um, when Jurgensen is seen flipping uh, uh, the sheriff money on a couple of occasions that was Jurgensen doing it. It wasn't the sheriff uh, saying, hey, slide it in my hand or, or give it to me now. Um, they were legitimate. He thought they were legitimate uh, campaign contributions. But Brian also brought up a point that he believes politicians in Northwest Indiana should be wary of campaign contributions because of this case. And I think we were all kind of shocked. We thought it, it was going the other way, and it obviously didn't. We thought the trial had gone uh, pretty much every day at least a tie, if not for us, and um, and the jury saw it differently. Uh, I think I, I think the, the moral of the lesson that comes out of this verdict, from a bigger perspective, is uh, the government's theory of the case was essentially: uh, if you're a politician or if you're running for office, uh, don't accept. A, any donation uh, to your campaign from somebody you either have a contract with or you may have a contract with uh, if you're elected. And um, 
that's a that's a real scary thin line. I think every politician in Northwest Indiana should uh, should be very very concerned and very worried. Brian did announce that an appeal would be filed, so the door isn't closed just yet. My co-counsel uh, Larry Rogers, in 41 years of practice, and me in 20 some years of practice, have, have tried a lot of jury trials, uh, probably together uh, 500. Um, and uh, we both said privately, and I'll say publicly now, that we've never believed in a client's innocence. Uh, I mean, true, actual innocence, um, as much as this client's. You know, I feel terrible for my client uh, and his family uh, because, you know, uh, you know, I believe in John, and I, I was I was at a loss for words after the verdict. He just gave him a big hug and and and, and you know told him I loved him because uh, you know this is just a quality guy and and even if the jury got it right, he's a it's a man who has done so much. Uh, for Lake County. The verdict reached by the jury stripped John Bunsich of his title and removed him from office. The next election for sheriff doesn't happen until next year. So what happens until then? We'll bring Bill back in to answer that. The Democratic Party has to uh, replace the sheriff, and they will do so uh, in, in what they call a caucus, which is essentially f- uh, 523 precinct committeemen all over the county, Uh, gathering in the Lake County Government Auditorium, uh, 10 uh, a.m. September the 16th, a Saturday, Uh, and uh, anyone who is over the age of 18 and a registered Democratic voter can uh, apply for the job, uh, give a short speech to the uh, assembled caucus, and then the caucus will vote their uh, choice and uh, whoever they choose will uh, be the sheriff from September the 16th until the end of 2018. And uh, and, uh, then, of course, we'll have a regular election next year in 2018 for sheriff for a new four-year term. So the precinct committee members gathered to do that this past weekend. They chose not to hear speeches from candidates, but based on pre-caucus statements, pitches from candidates ranged from voting for an outsider to clean house to voting for an insider with more experience with the department. After three ballots, Oscar Martinez was officially called the winner out of nine choices. Here's what he had to say following the vote. It's not easy. I want to thank everyone. But now we got to move forward. We have a lot of challenges ahead. We need to build the trust of the community and not demand respect because of our position. It's about working together. It's about each and every one of you. I've always said the sheriff's office is not about one person. It's about all of us. I intend to work with each and every one of you. We're going to make this county a better and safer place. God bless you all. Thank you. I'll be, it'll be interesting to see whether... Uh, the, the next sheriff of Lake County will have learned any lessons from from these proceedings, uh, and that uh, no, uh, no bribery and uh, uh, there's no favors needed to, uh, to to be a vendor for county government, as it should be. 
uh, we'll see if that lesson remains learned, uh, not just uh, a few days after the trial, but uh, years into the future. Byline is a production of the Times of Northwest Indiana. You can find all of our episodes at nwi.com slash podcasts. Byline is also on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just type in NWI Byline in the search bar, and we should pop up. If you've got a media player and want to download our episodes or listen on the go, Byline is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. We just kindly ask that you rate us and leave a review because it actually really helps. And we'd like to hear from you, whether that's constructive comments, feedback, or suggestions for topics you'd like to hear more about. Just drop an email to kale.wilk at nwy.com. Reporting for this week's episode came from Bill Dolan at Beershank and myself, Kale Wilk. We'd like to thank Brian Truitt for taking time to be interviewed for this episode. A big thanks also goes to Summer Moore, the Times' digital and audience engagement editor and Byline's creator. She's the watchdog for this podcast and keeps our topics and message in line. I'm Kale Wilk, and from the Times on Earth with Indiana, thank you for listening. See you next time. <laughs>